We've talked about there being four stages in the journey of prayer and the journey into prayer. And they're not linear stages that are separate, but parts of the journey that overlap with one another. And um, Sharon, if we could have the first slide up, please. We've talked about um, the first being uh, that we listen, uh, that we speak to God, um, talk to God. The second, that we talk with God. Then listening to God, we spoke about last week, and today we're looking at being with God. And um, the difference, if you like, is when we are young and we're in a family, the first thing, well, one of the first things we're learning is words. Words are so important. Um, and as a, a young child learns to speak and learns to put syllables together, they say their first words. And as they talk to mom and to dad, they're given words to say. Say please. Say thank you. Um, how to express their needs. How to, to get the things that they um, are looking for. And, and so there's a lot of talking too. But as um, we grow and as we mature, we learn to speak with our, our parents or with our families, with the people around us. And, um, and that, list, that becomes conversation that is about expressing ourselves, our needs, um, as it is in our journey with God. There's an important part that comes uh, when we s- stop to say, what does it mean to listen? What does it mean to really listen in this relationship and hear the other person without thinking of my counter-argument, without thinking of what I need to say, but rather really listening to the one that we love or the one that we're in relationship with. And um, as we, we grow in that time together, we come to a place where we're just very relaxed together. I remember a place during COVID where Brenda and Ruth and Nikki and I were sitting in our lounge together during the day because we're in full lockdown and actually, Brenda and Nikki, no, Brenda and Ruth had started crocheting, and I think Ruth had got knitting, and I was feeling like the odd one out, so I uh, asked Ruth to teach me how to crochet, and I started crocheting too, and I was making a beanie. And we were sitting there at one stage, and it was quite refreshing, because it was one of the times when we weren't all on our phones. You know how you can be together, but actually you're not together, you're somewhere else in the world on your phone. Um, but we were together in that we were focusing on our little thing we were doing, but our presence was in the room together and we weren't actually talking. And um, this is what I want to talk about in being with God. There's a place in marriage where there's a great intimacy, um, a wordless, deep, loving, that comes from just knowing one another and just enjoying time in each other's presence. And um, the Bible actually talks about this, this picture of marriage and the intimacy in that place where you can just be together and know each other's hearts, even without words, that is a picture of um, God and His church. It's a picture of what God longs for in His intimacy, closeness to the people of God, the church. In terms of prayer, this being with God is called contemplation, or contemplative prayer. And there's three parts of it that I want to look at this morning. The first is looking, looking um, at God. The second is yielding, yielding to God. And the third, is, the third is resting with God. And 
when I say the word contemplation or contemplative prayer, I don't know what you think, but what it conjures up in my mind is a picture of the Catholic Church and uh, monks and nuns who go away to contemplate in silence. And retreats that I've been on where we um, all go into a place of silence. And I'm not very good at silence because I'm used to talking and being amongst people. And so it takes a lot to slow down and be quiet. But the word contemplative comes from this passage which Helen just read to us. Um, Paul describes it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And the second slide, please, Sharon. Um, Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. You see that word, contemplate? Are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's just pray as we dive into this. God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, what an honor and a privilege and a joy to be called as your people to contemplate your glory, to be in your presence and to consider and contemplate you. I want to pray this morning that for each one of us, you would open up a truth in our hearts of something of the relationship that you want to deepen with us this morning. The relationship of prayer, the relationship of following you and being with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the passage, in the the wider passage that Helen read, uh, Paul has been talking about being in the presence of God. And he talks about Moses. And he says, under the old covenant, Moses couldn't look directly at God. You know, when he received the law, he hid in a cleft in the rock, a uh, sort of crevice in the rock, and he, um, and God passed by. And the glory of God and the light, the brightness, was too much. And then in the tabernacle that they established and they took with them in the desert, they, um, Moses would go into the tabernacle, but there'd be a veil between him and the, the tabernacle, and um, the presence of God was so strong, and the glory, this great beauty that existed in the presence of God, which was too much for all the people. But Paul says in this passage, now because of Jesus, we all have access to approach and be in the presence of God and of his beauty and of his glory. Um, So what does that look like? It doesn't seem to be a reality in our day-to-day lives that we see this great brightness and are surrounded by this awe and wonder and beauty of God. And yet perhaps we are. As we draw close to God, we can experience His presence. And we are being changed into people who are looking more and more like God. That's what this passage tells us. And so these three dimensions to um, contemplative prayer, to being with God, uh, which we just call contemplation, but it's about being with God, looking, yielding, and resting. Firstly, looking. Uh, if we could have the next slide, please, Sharon. Thank you. There was a man who used to walk into this church in the village every day, and he would spend two or three hours just gazing at the cross at the front of the church. Uh, he would stand 
and gaze for a couple of hours uh, every day, day in and day out. And, and the minister eventually approached him, or the priest said, um, what, what is it that you do here every day? And the man responded, I look at God, and he looks at me, and we are happy. Simple contemplation. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, We all, with unveiled faces, the veil has been taken away, don't have to hide from the presence of God. We contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Unveiled faces. It's imagery from marriage. You see a bride with a veil over her face. She's hidden away from her groom until the moment where they are face to face. And the intimacy of marriage begins for them as the veil is taken away. So we, too, with unveiled faces, um, have access to this intimacy with God. The Greek word that's used for contemplate here is katotrizo, and it's best translated to gaze at. Have you ever gazed at something? And you just gaze. Uh, my gaze is easily caught, easily distracted. Um, on a beautiful day, to see the mountain, to see a beautiful tree, just to stop and gaze. Um, and there are many things that can catch our gaze, but this is what Paul is saying, in effect, is this coming before God. It's, it's a gazing at Him, just looking at Him with awe and with wonder. Here is someone who is otherworldly and beautiful. It also means to direct the inner gaze of your heart at something. So it's deeper than just you know, your eyes. It's to contemplate God's glory is to look at his beauty and goodness and his love that's pouring out towards you. And it's at the core of our faith. It's to contemplate, to consider, to gaze on, to what, look at the goodness of God because it forms us and transforms us. And it's how we grow in our faith. It's how Jesus um, Invested in and grew in his relationship with the Father. Next slide, please. Um, the author A.W. Tozer put it like this. He said, Faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze at the heart of the triune God, the Trinity God, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Believing, then, is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It's lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God. And never ceasing that beholding for the rest of our lives. At first this may seem difficult, but it becomes easier as we look steadily at his wondrous person, quietly and without strain. Well, that sounds like something for those who are paid to or set apart to go and live in a, a monastery or a convent. How can we in our day-to-day -day busy lives um, behold for the rest of our lives the beauty of God? There's things to be done, places to go. Our minds are all over. But this is the most basic aspect of contemplating God. Loving attention on our Father and on His love and compassion and goodwill coming towards us through Jesus and by His Holy Spirit. Looking, gazing on Him. 
Secondly, it's a yielding. It's a giving in to his love. I used to play um, mercy with my sister. Um, She initiated it when I was quite young. And she was two years older than me. And you know, you link your fingers like this. And you have to try and overpower the other person until the pain is too much and they cry mercy and then it's over. But they won and you lost. Really strange game. (laughs) But my sister loved to play it with me until it got to a stage where, I don't know, somehow my physical strength overtook hers or I grew taller than her. And then she said, I don't want to play mercy with you anymore. (laughs) But that mercy was a yielding. It was a surrender. It was like, no, I can't take it anymore. This yielding to God is a completely different kind of surrender. It's to the goodness and the beauty of God. And where prayer that is petition or intercession tries to change and affect the circumstances around us. We pray for someone who's sick to be healed. We pray that, um, that we might get a job or that um, someone will have mercy in the situation. We pray for circumstances to change, believing that God can and does act in our circumstances. That's petition and, and um, intercessory prayer. Um, And Jesus did this in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm praying that this um, uh, burden would be taken from him. But the prayer of submission said, but not my will, but yours be done. The prayer of submission and the yielding to God in the place of contemplation says, God, I don't come with an agenda to change the world, but I come to know you to receive your love and to love you in return. And Paul says in verse 16, um, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In the Amplified Bible, it says whenever a person is repentant um, or turns in repentance and faith to the Lord. Because repentance is a turning. It's a turning from my will to your will, God. It's a complete turnabout towards something that is contrary to where we want to go by our nature. And it's the, act, the, the act that is the greatest surrender to God. It's our repentance. It's our, our turning to Him. And ultimately when we say, God, my life this way is, um, is not going anywhere without Jesus. I accept you and I invite you into my life. That surrender, that salvation prayer is an act that surrenders our will and says, I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way, God. This is surrender to God's presence and his purpose. And it's not just a passive, whatever will be, will be. It's um, an active leaning into God and his will for our lives that is above and beyond what we know. It's saying, God, here I am. I am yours. And then finally, contemplation is resting. Resting. Some prayer feels more like work. Some prayer feels more like rest. Petition and intercession is work. We're working. We're we're wrestling with God for the things that we care about and God puts on our heart. And it's work. In fact, Orthodox Jews are told to refrain from intercessory prayer on the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath you have to rest. And it's one kind of prayer you can't engage in. 
And if you ask me, how do I do contemplative prayer? Jeremy, the answer is you don't. You wait in God's presence. You rest in His presence. You don't come thinking, what's the formula? How am I going to do contemplation? You stop. You slow down. You rest. Resting in God is how we experience the answer to Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians chapter 3. Can we have that up please, Sharon? This is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus and for all the church. He prays this for us today. But resting is what what comes in resting is the answer to this prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know His love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, we become like the things that we gaze upon, the things that we look on. If we're spending hours looking at media that's conflicting, that's angry, that's raging, that's got lust, then these are the things that we are becoming. If the things that we're gazing upon are Scripture and God in prayer, his creation, the things are good, then that's going to affect our lives also. Resting in God's presence is how we are filled with the measure of all the fullness of God's love. Resting in His presence. I know this is a difficult one. It's a difficult one for um, the evangelical church, of which we proclaim to be part, because we're a church that wants to get active, active in our um, prayer active in our preach, active in our worship, active in our service and making a difference in the world around us. It's not really a style of Christianity that says slow down and stop and just contemplate God for a few minutes. Just stop. For many of us, we're living in a state of chronic fatigue, of tiredness, of overwhelmness. This type of prayer can be a lifeline. Just resting in and receiving God's love for you. It's also about receiving His identity for you as a well-loved daughter, son of your Father. And then offering our love back to Him in worship. In verse 18, next slide please, Sharon. Um, Yeah, that's the one. As we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This word transformed is the um, translation of a Greek word that is uh, metamorpheo. It's the word we get metamorphosis from. The, The changing from a a pupa uh, to a caterpillar to a, or sorry, caterpillar to a pupa to a butterfly. It's a metamorphosis. It's a complete transition and change 
Not just a slight little change. A caterpillar looks nothing like a butterfly. At the moment, um, outside the cottage, as you go up the steps outside, if you look on the edge of the cottage to the right, up at the top near the roof, you'll see loads of caterpillars that have made pupa and formed together like a colony of caterpillars at the top. It's not that beautiful, I think. But I know there's a day coming soon where there's going to be a whole bunch of butterflies flying around the gardens here. It's going to be really beautiful just to see these butterflies dancing around our gardens. That's metamorphosis, transformed. And it's a picture of the type of change that is possible in Jesus, the process by which we change. Think about it. When we spend hours each day looking at TV or social media, um, false images, gossiping conversations, we tend to become more angry, more gossipy, more anxious, not more peaceful, not more kind. They affect our minds because we become like the things that we gaze upon. But God wants us to be metamorphosed into something a whole lot more beautiful and looks more and more daily like God, his character, his design. God designed your brain and my brain like this. So reading scripture, time in prayer and contemplation as part of it, it's just a part of this prayer journey. These are ways that we gaze on God. Psalm 34 says, those who look on him are radiant. We look more on him we shine. We look more like Him. Our lives reflect Him more. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want to look more and more like this God that we worship. I don't want to be God, but I want to have His character flowing through my veins more and more. As we look and behold God's joy, we become more joyful. As we look at God's peace, we become more peaceful. But it's not easy. There are challenges, huge challenges, to contemplative prayer. So I'm going to quickly jump through three of those challenges that come up. Um, Thanks, Sharon. Distraction, hurry, and inner turmoil. Distraction. Our brain jumps. It moves. And this is normal. This is human. If you think, well, I'm praying one minute, and the next I'm thinking about my shopping list or my brother in hospital, or this or that. It's very normal. We're human, and it'll never go away. And when we're more stressed, I think we're more distracted because there's more going through our minds, more conversations playing out in our minds. But the key to overcoming distraction, it's not easy, but it's a simple key, is not to give distractions a second thought. It's to notice them and put them down. To let them come and let them go. When we stop and let that become the conversation in our mind, and we stop beholding God, we get into that anxious churning of thoughts. Hurry. The author Dallas Willard said, we, we need to learn to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. I don't know about you, but that sounds so attractive to me. I want to get rid of hurry. I don't want to rush from this to that to that. I want to enjoy this moment 
let it linger, and then move to the next and let it linger. But we find ourselves in a busy world, rushing from one thing to the next. The author Henri Nguyen said, waste your time on God. And he didn't mean time with God was a waste of time. He meant if you're going to waste your time on stuff, rather waste it on God. You know, in a culture when, where time is money and, um, and spending time on things that aren't seemingly productive is a waste of time. It can seem a waste of time to spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it might be, just sitting, contemplating God. How about the inner turmoil in our minds, in our bodies, in our hearts? Whatever is buried down deep inside of us will come up in the quiet space with God. It's a challenge, it's a distraction to contemplation. So contemplative prayer can seem messy. I think even to the pros who look like they've got it all together and they've been doing this for hours and days and and contemplating God quietly. The inner thought life comes to the boil, to the top. So contemplative prayer can seem messy as things like love and hate, anger and anxiety, insecurity, envy, jealousy, hurt, regrets come to the surface. But what it shows us is that these things are buried and have been buried. And we've used busyness and distraction to keep them buried. But what better place than in contemplation of God to allow them to come to the surface, to talk about them with God when they do, notice them, and to allow God to heal. To spend time in contemplative prayer, we also have to look at our lifestyle. If our lifestyle goes rush, 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 stop, pause, screech on the brakes, contemplate, okay, put on the accelerator, keep going, 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 we're going to miss out. Our lifestyle needs to also reflect our desire to be contemplative, to behold God. Following Jesus as his disciple in a very busy and distractible age requires us to slow down our lives and make space to pray, but also just to slow down our lives. He said, Jeremy, it's not possible. I can't slow down my life. But it's something to take to the Lord in prayer. God, I'm going too fast. It's even impossible to stop and talk to you, to listen to you, to be with you. And so will you show me what can give in my life in order to slow down? How to stop in the moment and notice the one I'm with rather than rushing to the next in my mind before I'm even there? I'd like us to do this now. To stop and contemplate God together. But I also want to encourage you to take it into your quiet life on your own. You don't need to be any kind of professional Christian to take contemplation into a daily rhythm of prayer and silence. 
And there's something called breath prayer, which you can use, a breath prayer, when you slow down your thoughts and you become aware of God's presence with you. And you just speak some words as you breathe in and breathe out. Words like, as you breathe in, fill me with your spirit. Um, And as you breathe out, I need you more. Something simple like that. Or to take the words of scripture, like Psalm 139. As you breathe in, you have searched me. As you breathe out and you know me completely. The most important discipline in prayer is just to show up. Just to show up. It's the hardest part, but it's also how simple it is. It's just to stop and show up and make time with God. Make yourself available to God each day. Alcoholics Anonymous um, um, puts it this way. At the end of their meetings, they say to each other, keep coming back, it works. I went to a meeting recently with a friend and they said, keep coming back. It works, it works, it works. Um, and just that reminder that this is a place we need to keep coming back to. Let's pray.